Hey gang, and welcome to episode two of The Rant with Sean Scott Nia. We are coming to you recorded and unedited from the Northeast, from Pittsburgh, from Syracuse, New York, and from Long Island, New York. Also, well, actually Queens, right? Is Queens a little yeah, more accurate? Yeah. You, could, you could say both. Rock, Long Rockaway. Rockaway, Rockaway Beach. Beach. Rockaway Beach. Practically the Honestly. same. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us for our second episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our, our first uh, kind of reunion episode uh, last week. Today, we're going to take a little bit different uh, spin. We're going to focus a little bit less on sports, a little bit more on the pop culture icon docuseries that has united the nation in several ways, Tiger King. Uh, they did just uh, come out with a new episode last Sunday, uh, which featured Joel McHale interviewing some of the some of the main characters of the docuseries. And did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, I, I, I actually watched it on Sunday. I watched it. It was pretty wild, right? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, he asked some good questions, and they, uh, he found out some stuff they didn't go into in the other episodes. So it was pretty good. Exactly. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, because they did. They went into one of the biggest – because, number one, it, I'm sure most of the listeners – listening here have, have seen the show if you haven't there will spoiler be alert. spoilers yeah spoiler <laughs> alert. i feel like there's enough time has passed where you should see it but um uh if you haven't we might spoil some things uh but so much happens in this show it's i actually i heard a someone argue on a pod another podcast i listened to that the show is almost unspoilable just because of how much happens in such a rapid succession and some things they dive into, sometimes they just some things they just completely gloss over. And I think some of the things that they glossed over that I was like, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, they're just gonna, you know, kind of keep going. They kind of dived in or dove in a little bit into detail um, via the interview with Joel McHale. So I thought that was really interesting. You know, they the show really does have everything. I mean, it's got polyamorous relationships, it's got political intrigue, it's got murder. Yeah, tragedy. Uh, that was one of the things that um, stood out to me in the newest episode was they kind of dove a little bit more into what happened with with Travis and his character and, and his um, his accident, his death. Um, and I, you know, I'm glad because I'm glad they talked about it a little bit more because it was something that they kind of kind of went into really quickly and then went out of, and they talked about how it affected other characters. Yeah. Um, like the campaign manager character, uh, Dylan, I think is his name, right? Um, Scott, you haven't watched every episode, correct? Yeah, so I'm playing a little bit of catch up. Um, I did skip ahead to watch the last episode, and it's funny, when I saw um, the original when they mentioned uh, he passed away, I actually went and like Googled because they didn't dive into it very much. To know more about that story and, and things like that, but I'm a little bit further behind. Um, I can hold my own conversation just from the show as a whole. It is one of the wildest stories I've ever seen. Just all the different components of um, the, the different like pattern of be, I guess, um, in in that whole like exotic animal world. It was. It's just a roller coaster ride story. Um, so it's, it's, if you haven't seen it, you need to start watching it. Uh, I'm yeah. playing 
a little bit of catch up. My fiance watched it before me and, and pretty much forced me to watch. Um, but it is, it is riveting television. Awesome. And Scott, you were breaking up a little bit there. So Ant, did you hear that too? Uh, bits and pieces of it. I okay. Got all of it. You broke up a little bit in the beginning. Apologize to the listeners for that. It's all good. All right. Um, but we did get the, the majority of that. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I wanted to talk about, right, is the persona of Joe Exotic, right? Because this, the docuseries itself kind of fascinated me only because it was kind of a perfect storm of everything coming together to get what we got, like the, the seven episodes at Netflix, the original seven episodes that Netflix released. Uh, you have, a, sorry, that's my dog. You have a persona as, as uh, I would say, outgoing and interesting as Joe Exotic who is almost so obsessed with himself that he starts his own reality show and filming that. And the documentary that they came out with really thrived on that footage that he already had. Um, because sometimes it was a little bit hard to figure out, okay, what was footage that the documentary makers uh, were filming and what was footage that already existed. Um, and I think that there was probably a plethora of, of stuff and existing footage that um, existed that led to such a quality docu-series for us. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree 100%. He was, he's obsessed with his, himself and his image. And I agree 100% with everything you just said. And like, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it, like, he's obviously has very strong feelings towards Carol Baskin we'll get into a little bit um kind of the the most interesting person i've i've probably seen on a documentary series uh, aside from maybe uh what robert durst uh from the jinx did you ever watch that that one jinx, yeah. that was crazy yeah actually you know if anyone out there has has enjoyed tiger king go to hbo and watch the jinx because that that came out i want to say what four years ago yeah more focus on murder it unfolds, I would say how the story unfolds narratively in a documentary is kind of similar where like it starts with a couple of, you know, key plot points and then things get crazier and crazier. I'm not going to spoil anything. It mainly involves murder. Um, uh, but I think actually the documentary makers of the Jinx came under fire, I think, for actually they got into a little hot water with Johnny Law uh, because of what information they uh, held on to and when they decided to disclose it. Um, so there might be a little bit of destruction of justice if memory serves me going on with there, uh, with that because they weren't exactly outright, um, with the information that they learned while making the documentary when they should have. But anyway, amazing documentary, go check it out on HBO. Uh, there is a hit film, uh, called, um, all good things starring Ryan Gosling and Kirsten Dunst about that exact uh, story. So check that out too. Oh, I didn't see I that. Recommend I that. that out. Yeah, it's really good, dude. I actually saw that first, uh, and then I ended up hearing about the Jinx uh, and watching that. But Ryan Gosling's really good in it. All right, yeah, I'll Nick definitely, definitely watch it. Nick Offerman uh, from Parks and Recreation, Ron Swanson himself, also in it in a serious role, but you know, does a good job. So, Ant, um, obviously in, in Tiger King, 
there's not really like a hero and a villain. I guess they're sort of all just villains, right? Uh, it was interesting to me as they started introducing more characters uh, that I kept thinking to myself, oh, this person's a real piece of crap, you know, real a-hole. Um, obviously, everyone here in the show is a villain. We acknowledge that. So the, the, like for this, I would say for this next rant or segment or argument, you know, I just would, know I that we- an argument that there's like, could be a hero. Oh, okay. This is good. This is going to get juicy then. Um, I think we can all admit, though, they're mostly just kind of crappy people yeah, for the most part. All they've all made horrible. Yeah, they've all made horrible decisions. They've treated animals. They've treated people poorly. But for the sake of argument and for the sake of the rant, we're going to have a little uh, uh, friendly banter here. So, Ant, walk me through. Who's your hero? I think the girl that lost her arm could be considered a hero. I love it. Because, honestly, like, she lost her arm. She came back to work five days later. Didn't have any grudges. Didn't, she didn't sue anybody. Like, she could have she probably closed down that old facility, bankrupted him, put all those people out of work. She didn't do that. She went back to work. Oh, well, it's a he, obviously. It's a he. That's the craziest part. Yes. No, he does identify as transgender. Yes. Yep. Yeah, Sass. Yeah. Yep. But he... I would say he could be considered a hero because he lost he lost his arm, and he still trusted the tigers. He still loved the tigers, and he still took care of them, even after going through all that that traumatic experience. So I would say he could be considered a hero. Yeah, you know I would agree. Uh, Saf is pretty awesome, pretty bad, pretty badass. Uh, it's it's really cool to see her like not lose her trust in the tigers. Um, she she did mention in the interview with Joel McHale that she. Never lost trust with the Tigers, but she did lose trust with Joe. Yeah. Which I really respected. I thought it was a stand-up answer. Um, the only thing I wish, excuse me, um, I kind of wish she, I would say, didn't return back to work. I think she had the opportunity to make a bigger deal of it. I think she, her life was in danger. I know she was just like trying to say, okay, it's on, under the, the water on the bridge. We're going to return back to work like nothing happened. But it, it seemed like something that Joe Exotic probably should have, I don't know, been brought to, not necessarily to justice, but, if, you know. I'm pretty sure they heads. could have saved the arm. Like, but she decided not to do it for some reason. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, that's, that's totally right. Yeah, she, I think she ended up putting the zoo before her arm. Yeah. Which... Um, which is heroic. It is. It is a very but heroic trait. I don't think it's very smart, to be honest. No. No. Um, so, I mentioned, I, I tease a little bit of argument here. Like I said, a little preface, Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic are both jerks. Yes. We know that. But there's been the argument, right? Team Carol, there's been the argument, Team Joe. For the sake of argument, which team are you on and why? I have to pick one. You have to pick one. And I, and I get it. They're, like, they're both jerks. They're both terrible, terrible people. I'd probably have to pick Carol over Joe, to be honest. Joe's, Joe's an asshole. Like, <laughs> he's an asshole. He really is. Like, and you find out, I don't want to like spoil it for Scott, but you find out like 
in the last episode that he was killing a lot more tigers than they they talk about in the show, which is horrible, you know. And they were perfectly healthy tigers apparently too. So I don't think Carol is doing that. So I'd have to I'd have to say Carol's better than Joe. Yes, and actually, you just remind me, holy cow, that one of the best interviews in the latest episode with Joel McHale was uh, of the the head uh, tiger handler. Yeah. Um, and he mentioned uh, that one of his biggest regrets was how many tigers that they had to put down. Yeah. And then Joel McHale inquired further and said, you know, I'm assuming that they're, that was sort of like a last resort. The tigers were in poor health and this and that. And then the handle responded, no, unfortunately that was never, that wasn't always the case. And I was yeah. just like how I responded to most of the documentary. I thought, what? How is like, and then they didn't really go into detail further, which I, maybe it was a timing thing. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong though. Like part of Joe Exotic's sentence was the fact that like, obviously it was the murder for hire stuff, but it was also a- animal cruelty and, and abuse, yeah. things like that. So, I mean, it, you are correct. He's a, he's a horrible person, horrible <laughs> person. Uh, and obviously picking it one out of two is a lesser of, of two evils here. Um, yeah. That, that bothered me that bothers me most is that Baskin like claims to be this this tire sanctuary where she's saving these animals and then they cut to her like for lack of a better term zoo and it's pretty right. much the exact same thing that you're seeing at, at Joe Exotic's place so it's just like she's doing the exact same thing minus obviously the animal cruelty and hiring someone to kill someone <laughs> yeah yeah it's like Man, where do where do they find these these people? Like, <laughs> um, it's it's really wild, and uh, I've you know she claims it was a tiger sanctuary. We later learned it's not exactly a husband sanctuary because of the <laughs> you know yeah. You like that? well, that's the thing. I'm so convinced. That's why I think it's a harder question than just like yeah, Joe Exotic like animal abuse, obviously murdered for hire, all that kind of stuff. Like, there's a good chance this lady killed somebody. Yeah. There's a chance. I know, but it's not. Can you prove it? No. <laughs> well, I believe, I believe the investigation has been reopened. Um, but, so, if you want my answer on this, and, and, and I, I will say, the answer that I was, that I, the answer that I will say was I kind of wavered on a little bit while you were answering yours because you made a lot of good points. But just for the sake of coming up with the, uh, the, the other side here. I'm going to go with team Joe. All right. Um, and, and listen, that, that it hurts my own ears <laughs> hearing that, right. Cause of all the horrible things he's, you know, he had hired someone to kill Carol, the, the animal stuff really bothers me. The tiger stuff really bothers me. Um, but I mean, I will say the evidence against her is pretty compelling. Uh, when you realize, well, first of all, when questioned about it in the docuseries, she goes, oh, I don't even know, you know, how that would even be possible. Maybe you would have to cover, cover them in sardine oil or something. I mean, that is a very specific response yeah. to come up with that. I mean, and, and then the, the biggest thing for me is when they interviewed the lawyer who is uh, handling the will of the the missing ex-husband her second husband i guess technically right um where they they found out that she changed his will to say 
in the, the event of my untimely death or mysterious disappearance, which he ended up going, he ended up just disappearing seriously. Like, what in God's the story, name? The story of his disappearance is like, is the funniest, craziest, most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Wasn't it something like he went down to Brazil and just like never seen again somewhere in South America? Yeah. I think it was Costa Rica. Costa Rica, yes. something like that. Yeah. Uh, it is it is a wild, wild story. And I just, I'm not buying it. I don't there's some foul play going on with that. I agree. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's fishy. There's something, something going fishy on. going on. Oh, yeah. We're going to find out that coach. Carol Baskin did the same thing to her husband and got away with it. Just like murder for hire sent him to Costa Rica and the guy yeah. got jumped down there by someone she hired. So, I don't know. As much as, as, much as Joe's a, is a major dick, Carol's just as equals. Honestly, I, there's no, there's no, like, I think they're on the same measurement. I agree. I think they're both hard. Being a dick. Yeah, when, really we say, when we say Team Carol or Team Joe, this is like, we're, we're below the dirt right now with, with the level yeah, yeah. of people we're dealing with. Agreed. Agreed. But I, I really, one of the other things that I actually had to, to re-rack my brain about is, is the introduction of, of two other um, zoo owners, I guess, or animal, animal, uh, Obsessed people obsessed with animals was uh, Doc Antle, Doc Antle. Uh, the 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 leader of a tiger marriage sex cult or whatever the heck that is and in, in uh, is that Myrtle Beach right Yeah I think it's yeah. right it's like South Carolina yeah. that guy's a that guy's a savage <laughs> dude which by the way there is a hilarious if you Google Britney Spears Doc Antle there is a hilarious picture of her performance at boy it must have been like the mtv video awards in i don't know like the mid 2000s maybe the performance involved a lot of animals including tigers well who was the handler for the said tiger or tigers in uh that performance doc Antle. and there's a great shot of britney spears like performing on stage and you can see the tiger, and then you can see like Doc Antle with really horrible long hair behind her. It's it's really funny. Right now, when you type in Britney Spears on Google, it's the second thing that like auto populates in the list. It's Britney Spears, Doc Antle, and the the picture is hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah, for you those of you at home, please do so. It's it's a huge win. It's hilarious. Uh, that guy's overall that. look, Doc Antle's overall look with like the long hair and like the weird little like soul patch is just like it just skeeves me out man i don't know <laughs> he looks like a polygamist so he, <laughs> he, looks, he looks like it like a member of smash mouth or something with that soul patch it's terrible not dog and the members of smash mouth if you guys i know you guys are listening out there i'm sure uh <laughs> you guys made great music back in the day pretty much made my childhood so don't take offense to the docking comparison um the other major personality, and this one was a little bit, had less of a role in the show, was uh, Mario, uh, what was his name? Mario Tebro, uh, the drug dealer uh, who compared himself to Scarface. Do you remember yeah. that, Ant? Yeah. I found, I found that kind of to be pretty cool and interesting. It was so, it came out of nowhere for me. I don't know. What did you think about it? He's... He was trying to say, like, oh, I didn't personally kill anybody, but I was there when they chopped up, like, a, a federal agent. I was like, dude, 
<laughs> what the hell? How is this guy not in prison still? I don't yeah. understand. He says that, and then the show literally just like kind of like goes to the next thing. Yeah, it goes like, back to the Carol like, Joe thing. Like, like the nicest guy out of all of them, in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't. I just don't know where they find these people, man. This is like, I don't know. People, people call New Jersey the armpit of America, where I'm from. The, these people are from a whole other planet. <laughs> like, I am. Yeah, I don't that, understand. That sounds worse. Don't worry, Scott. Thank you, man. <laughs> that's the nicest thing you've ever said about Jersey. So I'm gonna write that down, date and time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good thing we're recording, huh? Got that on. Yeah. yeah, I have that on record now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought I found that so fascinating that this like drug dealer who pretty much said on camera, yeah, like, I've witnessed murder, like gruesome murder, like Scarface level murder. I'm pretty sure he claimed that Scarface was kind of based on him, his yeah, lifestyle, did. right? Didn't he, he say that? that? He said the scene where like they're bringing money to the bank is based off of him because he did the same thing. <laughs> Of talk about an ego huh to launder it to launder it so yeah yeah wild stuff um another thing that i wanted to bring up uh is jeff Lowe, another villain of the show right he's the guy who yeah he's major dick um he's the guy where they introduce him as a guy who used to like bring baby tigers uh, smuggle them into Vegas within uh, luggage, which come on, you're gonna put a baby tiger in luggage? That that really upset me. But um, ended up being the guy to somewhat, I would say, overthrow Joe at his own zoo and kind of take over, right? Yeah. How much is he paying his wife to be married to him? I mean, have you seen her? That's what I want to. She's sexy. Yeah. Oh my God, Lauren! Right? Uh, and I get that. They haven't Dude, opened her got... though, so it's kind of like. Right. Listen, I know he's sharing her. It might be a little bit of the effect that everyone else on that show is just like hideous and gruesome to look at. That like, <laughs> in comparison, we're like kind of building her up. But I, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> I I don't know where he found her and what she's doing. Um, and, and if she's being held. It's got to be the tigers. I think they're all like, all these women get infatuated with these tigers and they just, then they start having sex with the owners. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> literally, like, they have nothing else going for them except these animals. And that, and they all have relationships. So I don't understand how it works. Some sort of tiger fetish going on. It's, tiger, it's a tiger fetish. Oh, God. Ooh. Yeah. God, I'm, conv- I'm convulsing over here. Um, yeah, I, I just don't get it, man. One of the, the best interview questions I thought Joel McHale asked him uh, was how he, he asked him, how many Affliction t-shirts do you own? And I think he, I think he responded with like over 40 or something like that. It was, it was pretty well done. Good comedy there. How many leather biker jackets do you own too? Yeah. Like, the, tigers can't, the Tigers can't penetrate them. That's why I wear them. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are sauntering about Go ahead, sorry, Sean. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say the guy's just sauntering about Oklahoma and leather and nothing but leather all day. That's gotta be a humid way to live. Uncomfortable. Moist. Yeah. I don't wanna yeah. That dude. The grundle area must get very moist. Oh, oh god. <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna have, 
we're gonna have to bleep that out in post. That won't that won't that won't make the show. Uh, What's that? The, the, the nanny. Yeah. The nanny's yeah, the, she's you go, you go. No, I was gonna say she's smoking too. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of makes I don't get it. I don't I don't get it either, man. I don't know. This Jeff Lowe guy, total dick. He gets in the possession of some tigers, and suddenly, you know, people are throwing themselves at him. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. I'm going through my notes here. Uh, oh, one thing that I read. So I was reading a Rolling Stone article about, like, how the documentary ended up being made, like how they stumbled upon the story what they ended up finding out, how they were able to unfold the narrative. And obviously like, the whole thing started and, and they kind of go into this in the first episode, but the whole thing started with them uh, talking about the underground like reptile acquisition, people buying and selling snakes and lizards and all that stuff. And that's how, you know, someone made a comment, like an offhand comment. Um, well, like, you're, you know, this is nothing compared to the, the cat people. And the cat people ends up being, you know, the aforementioned Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff, you know, all those crazy characters, right? So, but one thing that stood out to me in this article, ready for this, is that um, the documentary makers, when they were kind of back at Joe's uh, interviewing them and, and trying to get more interviews done and all that stuff, I think that was the part where they were kind of digging deeper into the, the tragedy that happened with Travis. Um, they were at the GW zoo when the hitman, uh, uh, Alan, uh, what was his um, first name is escaping me. I should have wrote it down. Uh, when the hitman that Joe hired to kill Carol left the premises to go do so. Like they were there while he was like there and then, they like they left and they had no idea up until later when they started uh interviewing him and for all that stuff but that, i thought that was pretty wild like he was literally they were there filming the hitman leaves the premises and goes off to, to attempt to kill carol um it's like it's it's it doesn't make any poorly planned by joe knowing that there's going to be a camera crew there and having a hitman just like on the premises Talk about poor planning. The guy went on his reality show online and, and told everyone watching that he he wants to kill this woman. Yeah. It's like, listen, rule number one in murder for hire, don't have a camera crew on premise when you're hiring the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to say something? You hire a guy that has a teardrop tattoo for $2,000 that probably can't spell his name to do it either. You know? <laughs> yeah. Come on. like. Rule number three. Make sure it's not an FBI agent the next time you do it. <laughs> True. Oh, that's a good segue. I think another hero, James Garretson, the uh, jet ski riding. Oh my god! <laughs> FBI uh, involved James Garretson, which probably produced one of the best memes and I think just overall pictures uh, of the docu series. Right. Right. Riding a jet ski for no reason uh, to, I believe, Eye of the Tiger is playing in the background. Is that yeah. right? Beautiful. Beautifully. Yeah. It's not Looks exactly like a guy really you enjoy. See. Looks like he's really enjoying that jet ski, too. He does. He does. He makes me want to get a jet ski. 
um, but I've seen some hilarious like people making paintings of that and like doing hilarious art features of of that shot of James Garrison on the jet ski. Pretty good stuff. Um, my last point, unless you guys had any other thoughts on Tiger King. No. I, I one one thing I want. I read an article. Um, it was kind of a uh, an overview of the show as a whole, and then also they they updated the article to speak to the the new episode that was released. Uh, and I want your guys' thoughts on this. The article was actually very critical of the the newest episode, saying that um, it was just they took an opportunity to just like make fun of the characters on the show of something that's actually like a serious situation. Um, and obviously it's a comedian conducting the interviews and everything. So there's going to be some sort of humor to it, but I wanted your thoughts on that because it's an interesting point. Ant, you want to go first? I disagree with that. I think, yeah, he made some like jokes and stuff. He tried to like lighten the mood a little bit. They were talking about some sad things like tigers being killed and like, you know, but I don't think he was, I don't think he did it intentionally. I think he just, cause he's a comedian and like the way he asked mm-hmm. questions, I think it, it could come off like that, but I don't think it was intentional. For me, like, I, I thought it was funny. Like, yeah, I actually it enjoyed it. Um, I think it was people without a uh, lighter sense of humor yeah. criticize that. I would agree. I mean, there, there was parts where I'm like, oh, like, you know, I thought he was <laughs> a little, like, towing the line a little bit. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I like, I get it. It's all name of comedy, but I know that he, he he ran all these questions. I'm assuming he ran all these questions as people in the media, such as, you know, Sean Scott and Ant here. Uh, we understand the production that goes into it. I'm sure they ran the questions by them. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, Jeff Lowe, he deserves it. Like you make fun of Jeff Lowe all you want. What I don't want you to make fun of is Saf and uh, the tiger handler, um, and like Rick Kirka, also, that was a great interview. That guy's awesome. The documentary maker. Uh, well, I guess not the documentary maker. He was the guy who was running Joe's reality show. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably one of the most upstanding uh, citizens of the bunch, him and Saf. Along with the Tiger Handle. And I should have wrote these names down. This is bad. This is bad radio. Um, he did try to profit say- off of a bad guy, though. He, yeah, he saw an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. He he, he kind of downplayed that too. He knew the kind of guy he was getting into, like when he signed up for that, you know. And he still he still did it because he he saw there was money to be made. Yeah, yeah, but that's he, true. He's not a bad guy, but yeah. Well, I found it interesting that he he uh, up and moved to uh, Europe, right? And he moved to Europe, and he's just like living a quiet life. Well, he's trying to live a quiet life. Everyone recognizes him now. Yeah, he probably made some money off that documentary, so yeah, cashed in. It's an interesting point. I, I I'd be curious to know like the profits some of these people made off of this documentary. Yeah, to make some money for sure, for sure. <laughs> to be willing to talk yeah. about this story, yeah. Um, and and listen, you're pretty much writing your your death sentence by just you're gonna get recognized now and be kind of associated with this story. Um. So I'd be curious to know what the payouts were, because I'm sure they weren't they weren't cheap. Well, yeah, doesn't have to pay anybody for anything. So you know, everything she made went to her. So she's mm-hmm. running the biggest pyramid scheme in the world right now. Everyone that works for her works for free. 
Who's this? Carol Baskin? Yeah. It's a good racket if you can get it, you know. She's been very critical of the show, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Obviously. You know what, Scott? Oh, my God. How about their beach pictures, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Looking like uh, Fred Fred Flintstone and Wilma. I mean, like, he's got a collar around his neck. He's, like, on his knees. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Human is on a leash. And I will say, um, the, this show coming out has led to some really great banter on some of my conference calls. Um, sounds like, you know, every conference call, there's always like a little bit of like chit chat. Um, and I would say that the first two weeks after this came out, there was a lot of discussion and arguments over, characters actions and all that stuff so that's that's been a plus and i think overall i think we can agree that this this is exactly what and i know we're we're, we're staying away from the big coronavirus stuff but this is one of the, the best things that could have happened i think to us in this time like it was it's a unifying experience for people you know it's something to chat about you know the, the proverbial water cooler um and you know, it gave people something to do and listen to and discuss and to dive into and to research and and to consider buying a tiger uh, because we found out that it's relatively you know two grand can get you a tiger. I can afford a tiger <laughs> if I wanted one. That's yeah, pretty cool to know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what? That's a, that's a powerful feeling. I understand that. I understand At a time that. where there's no sports going on, Faulkner, I agree with you though. It's just like. It, the world, the world needed this. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, silver linings, right? So it took a couple of, of crazy tiger owners to psychopaths. You can just psychopaths. They're just psychopaths. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. To bring us all together. So yeah, that's, that. you know, a little bit of a deep, a deeper dive into Tiger King. Mm-hmm. Sorry if we spoiled anything for you, but I got to tell you, we, we did really didn't even get into the, the major stuff of that so the, the, the great detail of the show yeah. um so even if you did watch it you're gonna think holy cow that these podcast masters didn't even talk about that um, that's the thing like i haven't seen the whole show obviously you can't really escape it in the media right now because it's been talked about on pretty much everything you're reading seeing and watching and i'm still watching episodes and and i'm sitting with my hands on my head like how is this yeah. right now you can talk um, yeah. about that show for hours. There's so yeah, much- there's no really yeah. spoiling it because there's just so much random shit that happens. Yeah, indeed. Well, but, I, I will say, Scott, you did just mention sports. Uh, and that is a good segue into our next topic, uh, Major League Baseball and their plans to continue the season. So, Scott, why don't you kick us off there? Yeah, um, I'll start this off by saying I, I miss – Baseball. Yes. So looking forward to baseball this year. Um, probably, probably my favorite sport to watch, to attend, just like a, a summer afternoon game, having a, a nice cold beer and a hot dog at the stadium is one of my favorite things to do. So when I read what we're about to talk about, um, it gave me just a bit of hope. It tickled me a little bit. I was just... Oh. Oh, up with joy. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm holding out hope. Um, 
So there was a, this came out, I think it, it might, it's a couple days ago now. It might've even been like early last week. Um, so you've probably heard about it, but there is a plan uh, in place to potentially kick off the major league baseball season, possibly as early as mid to late May. Um, with some stipulations in place where the teams are going to pretty much be quarantined in a certain area. Um, all major league baseball teams would be in one area, play their games in like four to five different stadiums in that area. Um, they'd be allowed to go from their hotel to the stadium back to their hotel and no other place, obviously no fans. Um, the site they're looking at is a place in Arizona um, about half the league does their spring training in Arizona. Um, so basically this article just talked about kind of the, the overview of the plan, which is, as I mentioned, everyone in Arizona potentially doing seven inning double headers, potentially having electronic, um, balls and strikes being called, um, Potentially, and we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on all these points, but just to give you the holistic view, potentially having no dugouts. The players are going to be sitting in the stands where the fans would be six apart, so they're social distancing within the game. Um, That's crazy. And so there's, there's a couple different just like tiers of these, these, this plan that was apparently approved by some level of uh, some health organization whether it's the CDC or, or WHO, I don't know, um, but approved in some way. So it, it made it seem like this is a real possibility. Um, and so I thought it would be a good kind of at least reason to, to give us hope that sports are coming back. And I'll pause there to get your both, uh, your overall takes on the article I sent you, as well as uh, any thoughts you might have on some of the rules that, that might be put in place Sure. Yeah. Scott, you mentioned hope. Uh, I am swimming with hope on this one. And, and it's because I mean, like, obviously I would want everyone involved to be safe and because it's, it's had backing, it's had support of the CDC. And I'm also reading here that the national institutes of health have been supportive of the plan. Uh, that makes me very excited. Um, Obviously, obviously, it's not the greatest uh, plan ever, but it's better than no baseball at all. You know, I'm, the best case scenario is me taking the bus down PNC Park and watching the Buckos play uh, to, you know, watch them lose 100 games a season. But now I'll have to watch, if this happens, I'll have to watch them uh, do it in Arizona. Uh, it's very interesting to me. It's, it's, I would honestly, I would, it's not a situation I ever thought we'd be discussing is, is discussing all 30 baseball, major league baseball teams playing in Arizona, each being stationed at their own resort or hotel. Um, and, you know, talking about electronic strike zones with, so the umpire can stay far enough away from the catcher and all that stuff. It's, it's really mind blowing. Um, but Obviously, there's been interest on both sides of the league and like the players' association. So there's been there's interest uh, expressed on both sides, which is a good start. Obviously, there's a lot of factors going in in terms of, of testing and travel. Um, we can go we'll go into details here, but that my main um, 
idea and support of this is good. Let's do it if we can, if it's safe, uh, if it makes sense for the players. Um, I just want to watch some sports. Wanna, we just want sports, yeah. I want to. I don't even have to make money on sports. They can keep the casino closed for now. I just want to watch sports. Ant, your thoughts? I agree with mostly everything you said. You know, obviously we all miss baseball. We want a little bit of normalcy back in our lives, and being able to watch baseball, even if it's you know not at our home stadium, would still be, you know, getting to watch on your couch is still better than not getting to watch it at all. Um, I'm a little interested to see how they're gonna like how the rules are gonna change. I was reading that they were thinking about doing double headers with seven inning games. They probably have to expand the rosters, which would be interesting. Um, uh, I'm just I'm a little skeptical about uh, if the owners are gonna go for it because they're gonna be losing so much revenue because there's gonna be no fans at the game. So are players gonna take a pay cut? Are they gonna agree to it? There's a lot of factors that have to like be figured out. So. I'm a little skeptical about it happening by May. You know, I think it's going to – I don't think we're going to have baseball till at least June. Like, yeah. Yeah. By May, but if you told me we get it back by June, I'd still be happy. Yep. Know? Yep. You make a good 100%. point. You make a good point, Ant. The, the fact that the owners are going to lose a ton of money just on fans and ticket sales and things like that. Um, Jeff Wilpon, the owner of the Mets, the cheap bastard that he is, already said <laughs> That that players would have to take significant salary cuts to yeah. counteract the money that the owners would lose. Dude, everybody's taking a cut right now. You can't. Yeah. For that, there's people that I, have jobs right now. I mean, I'm gonna knock him because he's Jeff Wilpon and he sucks. But I love it. Take a take a shot where you can, Scott. Dig it, yeah, dude. I I have no shame in knocking the Wilpons at every step I can. Yeah, uh, they're not the best people in the world. No. No, but it's just, it's, it's a good point to make. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the players association does in response to that. Um, but uh, there was a, 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 Jeff Wilpon said that actually to New York's governor, to, to Cuomo. Um, it was in response to Cuomo reaching out to Wilpon and saying, I think the world needs baseball right now, just as a distraction and pretty much in support of this plan and Will Pond's response was, yeah, they'd have to make the players take a major pay cut, though. So it's just like, uh, he's, he rubs me the wrong way. I was also reading, though, that they could there's potential more money to be made in television now because they probably televise more games. Maybe they put yeah. more on national TV because there's no other sports on to compete with. Yep. They'll figure something out to make the money work. But yep. safety is the number one priority. For they sure. To, you know, they have to figure that out. Testing has to be readily available all the players or they're not going to agree to play for sure and that was part of the stipulations as well um yeah one of the biggest interests for me and 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 something that i would be looking out for if this plan does take place is some of the rule changes that were kind of being talked about as maybe three to five years away yes being forced to be implemented now such as electronic strike zones yeah. Um, such as no mound visits. So they, they would eliminate all mound visits from catchers and pitching coaches, um, all in an effort to, for social distancing, keeping people as far away as possible. Um, I, I'll focus on the electronic strike zones, but this is something that's been highly debated in baseball for years now. The baseball mm -hmm. people obviously don't want it. 
the argument is um, the the umpires are a part of the game. The subjectivity is like it's just a part of it. Um, people hate replay as it is, so um, that'll be really interesting as it's kind of being forced into the game pretty prematurely. They haven't really tested it in the minor leagues, which is what they usually do for new rules like this. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how it works. And if it does work, do they keep it for next year, assuming that it's kind of a normal season? Yeah, all very good points. Because uh, you're right, you know, and I, I totally forgot that this has been sort of like a contested argument in terms of the trying strike zones to ensure like more accuracy and I guess fairness of pitchers. I I tend to side on the fact that this is America's pastime. This is this is the, the, the way it's been. Let's keep the umpires as part of it, the subjectivity of it that you mentioned, Scott. I really enjoy that. Um, you know, replay, it, it, it's, has, it's has its ups and downs. Obviously, with replay, you're going to have uh, Jim Joyce not botching the call of that, uh, what was yeah. it, Armando, Armando Galarraga? Was that his Galarraga, the imperfect yeah. game, yeah. Oh, God, that was I was watching that one live. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Think anyway. about. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. No, I was going to say that's an that's an example where replay would have um, probably come yeah. to save the day for Armando Galarraga. But yeah, look at. I mean, but for a, a an example of replay not working out, look at the NFL and pass interference this past season. What did? Oh season yeah, it was. Yeah, they never. What? They never overturned it ever. So it I was awful. There was no point in the rule being made. <laughs> I may have disagreed. Nothing would happen. I may have disagreed with every pass interference challenged call this season. The ones that were overturned shouldn't have been overturned. The ones that weren't overturned should. Yeah, there was no consistency. It was awful. Consistency. True. It was awful. And that's that's an example of replay just not working out. Right. And and you mentioned consistency. That's like the most important thing. If you're going to make this a major part of the game now, you need, you better be hell sure as hell uh, making sure that you're making consistent calls um, and because but, definitions are constantly changing in the NFL maybe it's the NFL being yeah that's the, ar- the organization that it is but that's the argument for this though uh, Faulkner like the biggest thing about umpires is everyone has a different strike zone so it's not yeah. consistent so I'm playing devil advocate here I don't want electronic strike zones I like umpires I like the subjectivity of it but the counter argument is there is no consistency to it, which is what everyone wants in yeah. most other sports. And it's almost like you go up to the plate at the beginning of a game, not knowing like there's no defined strike zone because every umpire has a different one. There's pitchers, right. umpires, there's batters, umpires, there's um, guys who have inconsistent strike zones from the first inning to the ninth inning. So it's a, it's a way to try to get some, consistency into the game um and that's the argument for it i don't necessarily agree with that but it's just your argument for wanting consistency is exactly what people are saying as to why electronic strike zones um might make a really good point yeah you make a really good point uh you also made me look like a fool in front of millions of listeners millions Uh, millions um i can't tell you how many people are listening to this right now uh lots too many i think our servers are going to crash Electronic strike zone has like a glitch or something. Then what happens? You know, like true. What if there's faulty, like faulty equipment or 
something goes wrong. Like then we know we know from earlier in the show that technology is not always reliable. Yeah. <laughs> everything makes everybody and everything makes mistakes. Nothing. Yeah, right. Better. Yeah. I mean, That's I'll list cool. off films uh, showing the same examples. Stealth. <laughs> All the Terminator films. We can't rely too much on technology, Scott. You see what happens. <laughs> Um, but Just no, bring uh, me baseball. Yeah, it's all, yeah, bring us baseball, please. I think, I think the seven-inning thing is what you're going to have to look out for, too, because they want to speed up the games. And if this seven-inning games, like, show promise and more people are drawn in and watch them, they might try to change that in the foreseeable future just to speed up baseball games. Yeah, yeah. And, and that brings up the whole conversation of you're pretty much eliminating a position in baseball, which is the relief pitcher. A lot of starters go like a good start for a starting pitcher is considered six to seven innings. I would argue that they might be getting rid of the starting pitcher and they might just have everybody pitch two or three innings now. That's the Rays, the Rays did that last year with what they called an opener who was yeah, so the athletic that pitched two innings. The Yankees in the playoffs and they got smoked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and earlier you you mentioned uh, skepticism over this. And another player, or I guess probably the biggest player in the game, who has also mentioned uh, that he is skeptical over this, is Mike Trout, my boy, um, my current favorite player, one of probably the biggest face in baseball right now. Mentions that he said personally that he thinks there's a lot of red flags. Actually, in an interview with NBC Sports, I'll mention, or I'll read this verbatim. There's a lot of red flags. We want to get back as soon as we can, but obviously it's got to be realistic. We can't be sitting in our hotel rooms just going from the field to the hotel room and not being able to do anything. I think that's pretty crazy. So um, he makes a good point, right? I, I, we're just going to – these players are going to be moving from the hotel to the field, hotel to the field. they got to sit in the stands. Uh, it's interesting. It's not ideal. Obviously, none of this is really ideal. The ideal They're going to be away from their families too. That's the other thing, right? And that's what he mentioned. Mike is expecting a, a child here soon, right? So he – continue to say in the interview, what am I going to do when she goes in labor? Am I going to quarantine for two weeks after I come back? Because I obviously can't miss the birth of our first child. It makes a good point, right? So, like, because they won't be able to be with their families, at least not in the original, what they've talked about so far, I believe has them uh, apart from their families for, what, four, four and a half months. That's, that's a tough thing to handle. And, yeah. and maybe there are some players who are like, well, you know, we're also going to get paid in terms of not getting paid. So maybe it's worth it. Uh, that might sway a lot of players into it. May, may not sway some people. Um, but the testing that uh, both of you mentioned earlier comes into play, right? So if you leave, when you leave and you come back, you're going to have to be tested. So that means that testing for the, for the virus needs to be ample. Uh, there needs to, you know, there needs, obviously that quantity needs to be there. The quality needs to be there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it just brings a whole thought process to the, to the, the game, you know? Um, yeah. At one point, Sean, uh, about the whole testing thing. Um, I read that the, the, one of the biggest things they're looking into is a way to test the players consistently and often enough to make this possible while pulling tests away from the general public. Uh, that's very important. So it's one of the things that it's one of the hurdles they're trying to kind of 
workaround because obviously I think they're caught up now. I think they have ample tests. Agreed. Yeah. So that was, that's what their hope is. I think they've overcome yeah. that hurdle. They're, in the beginning, they didn't have enough tests, but now I think they have enough tests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to yeah, get so into I'll COVID be- in general too much, but um, I would just make one argument though, like against Sean about like the whole like they have to be away from their families. All the people that are like essential workers now have to go to work every day and go outside, then bring the risk of bringing this sickness home to their families. And they're yeah, making true. a lot less money than professional baseball players. So that's very Suck it up. if that's the, if you're looking, for, if Mike Trout's looking for sympathy for me right now, when he's I'm, uh, I'm questioning, really I'm questioning it. Mike Trout's commitment to the game with the whole, I don't want to miss my child's birth. You know what? Suck it up. We need baseball. Okay. So now we're at the point of the show where you both have made me look like a fool. Um, <laughs> no, we're just. I no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, Scott. Special arrangements for him to see his kid's birth. You know, like they're not going to make. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, I agree. It'll be interesting. I, I. It sounded like uh, June is more of a realistic time frame to get the season back up and running, and they think that they might be able to do a full season if that happens. Uh, so even if they do a. You know, three quarters of, of a season, yeah. I'd be happy with it. I, I just want to see, you know, we talked about unity a little bit earlier with Tiger King, as weird as that connection is. Um, and I think there would be nothing better for America's pastime to come back in a safe way uh, to kind of bring some more unity and, and a, a tad of normalcy back to everyone here. So, Yeah, and it, do, it just doesn't seem right to for me to go through a whole year without, like, cheering the Mets on heart and soul through the whole season only to be heartbroken at the end of it. It just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be I know. It wouldn't be fair to us, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be fair, fair to you two to not see me miserable. <laughs> I'm a Mets fan. Do you know how much Oh yeah, I forgot Ant's a Mets fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Mets yeah. fan. Do you know how much character development you both fifteen years ago? Yeah. Oh. oh yeah there you go. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> You know how much character development you guys both get from the Mets seasons? Uh, ample, large yeah, amount. I mean, at least Ant's seen two Super Bowls following the Mets disappointment. I got to root for the Jets following it. It's just, yeah, that's true. I'm an Islanders fan though, so I've had my fair share. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you just missed their heyday when they won like four cups in a row too. <laughs> Missed it by a while, Scott. It was in the eighties. I was born in ninety two. I was I wasn't even thought when they won the Stanley. You're game. right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm talking over the span of a lifetime. What's four or five years? Touche. <laughs> anyway. Well, the good news is we know that Buffalo Sports will be coming back in a big way, uh, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. So. Uh, I think we've exhausted our MLB talk. Yeah. Any any last words, thoughts? <sighs> Give me baseball. Yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, America, that we can do this in a very safe, safe way. Yeah. We want to see the Pirates. We want to see the Mets. We want to see the Angels. A lot of great baseball out there. Baseball play, is, so. is the sport built for people working from home. Just being able to turn on a 1 o'clock game while you're working and procrastinate your entire day, yeah. that's what America is all about. True. Actually, I found myself last couple weeks ago, because MLB TV I think is free for now, by the way, Quick, quick plug for MLB TV. If you want to get a subscription, you can, wa- you can watch pretty much every game uh, the past 10 years, maybe. I threw on a Pirates-Reds games from last year um, just to listen to 
baseball being played in the, you know, in the background. <laughs> just to hear it. Just to hear the Bucks yeah. lose. You know um, America needs sports. I turned on ESPN last week, and they were, they were streaming um, professional basketball players, so NBA players playing each other in 2K, uh, NBA 2K. So they were streaming a video game on ESPN. Dude, they're um, betting on that. I know, I know. Vegas is betting. It's like a whole tournament going on. It's crazy. It's crazy. I know. You know America needs sports and gambling when they've gone to those measures to bring sports into our lives. Very good point. So I'll leave the sport. I might have to, I might have to get on that, uh, in on that action. Um, You're betting on video games now. <laughs> I know. I got a, I got a funny story for you guys at the end of the show. I'll, I'll tell you what, what I've been betting on recently. Alrighty. I'm not looking forward to that. No, it's, it's... I, I am. I am Scott. Um, so into our weekly segment of the Quarren Stream Picks of the Week. So I know we talked a lot about Tiger King earlier. And I think that's going to be our overall recommendation of the show. If you haven't watched Tiger King, watch it. But in the Quarren Stream Picks of the Week, I'm going to recommend this week to watch the, the television series Hunters on Amazon Prime. Uh, Al Pacino's, I believe, debut into television. Um, and boy, is it a good one. Uh there is no possible, sorry, there is no better opening for a show than to start out with a nice Bob Seger song right out of the gate. And that's what the show does, right? Set in the 70s about, um, it's, got, it's loosely based on, on actual history of the U.S., but Nazis living in the U.S. after World War II uh, and a band of, of um Jewish heroes really that, that band together and kind of like hunt these Nazis down is pretty badass. It's led to some really good scenes, some great acting, some great writing. Uh, Logan Lerman is this is the other star of the show. Um, but that is my, my pick of the week. Scott, Ant. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to, to Faulkner yesterday and I feel like you and I spit out like three or four quarantine streams of the week last week. And I just, I, I screwed myself because I, I talked about all my shows, but I did my research. It's not really research. The show has been around a long time, um, but it's on Netflix. It's a great watch. If you haven't had the chance to watch it yet, there's seven seasons and I, I think they're 48 minute episodes. So it's a, a large task, but it's the blacklist um, mm. show is still on now. So there's new seasons coming out. It is a phenomenal show. Um, it's about, it's, it's a, it's your action packed, uh, run of the mill, like spy show, cop show. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. So the blacklist, it's a good one. Starring James Spader, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And, um, uh, Megan Boone, I think is the girl. Yeah. It shows, that shows old, right? It's been on for a while, right? There's seven seasons and still, I think the eighth season just got renewed. So still running. All right. I'll check it out. I've never Definitely. watched it. I just, I've heard it's good. The first season is like, it's one of the best shows. My cousin turned me on to the show and it is one of the, like the best first seasons of a show I've ever watched. And then it gets, I mean, come like season four or five, I lost a little bit of interest, but the first like two, three seasons are awesome. All right. My, uh, my corn stream show of the week is dark side of the ring. It's a, documentary series on vice 
it's like it goes into a bunch of controversial like true stories about like old wrestlers and like like crazy stories that happened while they were wrestling uh the last episode that was on this week went into uh superfly jimmy snooker how uh like his his alleged girlfriend at the time died while they were dating in the 70s and he was questioned for murder but he was acquitted and like 30 years later they like reopened the case and it was found out that he actually killed his he killed the girl but he was like he was he died like a week later so like they couldn't put him in jail but it has a bunch of cool stories on it It has one about chris benoit who uh killed his whole family unfortunately it goes into why he did it and what was wrong with him at the time uh it goes right. it has one about uh, macho man randy savage too it's pretty cool i would check it out it's on huh. ice it's uh it's on uh tuesday nights is it tuesday nights at 10 o'clock they, like cool. they have like a new episode every week it's pretty cool good pick i'll check that out um and, we, and a little bit of a little surprise for you guys here we do have a a guest uh porn stream pick of the week from none other than my younger brother tim who I was talking to earlier, Tim, uh, my younger brother is uh, in the army. He's currently deployed in Afghanistan. So luckily, um, very luckily, we have the ability to FaceTime pretty much every other day. Uh, and his corn stream pick of the week, much to my chagrin as it is to announce it uh, on the air, is the, the television show Jericho, which lasted all but two and a half seasons uh, and was swiftly canceled. Uh, I believe it's, leave it to your brother to pick a show that was swiftly canceled. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it was terrible. You know, it was a quick, quick plot develop, uh, background. It's about a small town. I think in the, the, the mid uh, middle of America. Um, I want to say Omaha area. I can't remember. Uh, small town, big nuclear bomb goes off in the distance, uh, in a, in a larger city near them they find out that nuclear bombs going off all over the place and if you make a show about uh sexy people in a post-apocalyptic setting you can make a good bet that tim faulkner is going to be interested so this is right up his alley um so yeah obviously you know the plot develops and thickens but tim has watched uh every episode of jericho not once not twice but three times and it disgusts me to admit that but hey He's a big Scoot, uh, no, not Scoot McNary. Uh, oh, the guy's name is escaping me. It'll come to me later. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, but yeah, check out Jericho, according to Tim Faulkner, my younger brother. <laughs> All right. That's one, so that's, to, one I, that's a quarantine stream I might disregard. Yeah, I might not, I might not watch that. <laughs> no offense. I think everyone... I think everyone listening should disregard that pick. Um, <laughs> personally. Check out Doc's Out of the Ring, though. It's really good. I'm telling you. It's really interesting. <laughs> if you no, might be really the winner, yeah. Ants might be the winner. Yeah. I, I have never even heard of it. So that's definitely something to check out. Um, speaking of, of film, well, I guess we didn't talk about film. We were talking about TV shows, but kind of segueing into film. Uh, my surprise segment of the week is something that came up when I was recently watching the film Outbreak, 1995 Hollywood hit Outbreak. I just watched uh, it the first time. Like the other you one. did? Yeah. Oh, this is terrific then. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Skeet Ulrich is the, the lead in Jericho. Not that I really shouldn't even brought that up, but Skeet Ulrich. Uh, okay, so this is great. I'm so glad you watched it the first time. 
in the in the in the movie. Uh, oh, geez, now he's implanted. It in my head. <laughs> Jericho. <laughs> Damn you, Tim. Um, in the film outbreak, kind of relevant today. It's about a huge virus that kind of uh, spreads in a small town of California. Uh, it is starring. It's got a great cast. Yeah. Right. So you've got Dustin Hoffman, Renee Russo, Morgan Freeman, Donald Sutherland. I'm not even going to mention the other one. See, he's a huge dick now. Um, but in this film features Renee Russo, Dustin Hoffman as a former couple. They were married at one point. And we're talking 1995 Renee Russo, peak of her career, arguably. And Dustin Hoffman, physically on the downside, talent-wise probably in his peak. But are you meaning to tell me that I'm supposed to believe that Rene Russo and Dustin Hoffman in 1995 were married to each other? I'm just not buying it. I think it's one of the most unrealistic couples in Hollywood film. Uh, and it really set me off. So I started thinking, okay, what are some of the most realistic couples that Rene Russo has been a part of in her cinematic career? Um, and so I've got a couple examples here and I'd like to have a discussion and sort of ranking of them, so to speak. Now I will say, for those Dustin, Dustin Hoff, your, you Hoffman heads out there, great actor, great talent, one of the best actors of, of our generation. But I cannot buy a 1995 Dustin Hoffman being married to Rene Russo in that situation. And we're talking like 79 Hoffman, like Kramer versus Kramer. I'm buying it, right? Okay, he was a stud back then. But 1995 Hoffman, you know, he's kind of get the dad bod going on. I'm just not buying it. And I get it. His character is a very smart guy. He's the guy who pretty much saves the entire country from this virus. I just don't buy it. Your thoughts. I don't know. For, for those of you who, who don't know Faulkner personally, he is one of the biggest movie junkies you'll ever meet. And he's very critical um, uh, just around movies in general. And so he, his passion for this stuff, just it's, it flows through his veins. Um, maybe it do strongly than Buffalo sports do. So uh, it's something that he's passionate about. I'm excited to kind of get to these rankings. Um, I'm not as big of a movie buff as, as, as you guys, but I'm excited to kind of see where this brings us. And before we get into the rankings, uh, do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, I don't think it's as bad as you're making it. He wasn't, he didn't, he didn't look that old in the movie, you know, like he's very intelligent. They, they share the same career. Silver Fox. So he's got that going for him. And women like dating older men. That's, it's, it's a thing, you know? Older men. So I don't think it's as far-fetched as you make it sound, but he's definitely not. Rene Russo is definitely a lot better looking, though. I agree. Oh, my God. Jeez. There's merit to the Silver Fox. There is merit to that. There, yeah, like, yeah. It's a real thing. And dad bods are in. Dad bods are very in. But, but were they in in 95? But the Silver Fox thing, I will say, that's a good point. Okay, so let's get down to the rankings because I don't want to uh, take too, too much time here. So, okay, including this in the ranking, right? Rene Russo and Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak. This is in no particular order, but I'm curious to hear your rankings. Rene Russo and Tom Berenger in Major League. That's a good one. Rene and Kevin Costner in Tin Cup, and is she in for Love of the Game, or is that Kelly Preston? No, All right, Tin Cup. We're just, 
Okay. Yes. Tim Cup, Renee Russo, Kevin Costner. This one's gonna, this one might blow your minds. Anthony Hopkins in the Thor movies. Okay. She's Thor, she plays Thor's mom. Hopkins is Thor's dad. Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon series. And lastly, her and Dennis Quaid in the film Yours, Mine, and Ours. So I want to start, or I'll go last, but I want you guys to start from that list, and I can repeat them if you need them again. Are we, but are, we are we ranking them in terms of, like, hottest guy to, to most ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, we like, <laughs> like, who, like, a friend who can't cover the spread? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm thinking uh, uh, from most unrealistic to most realistic. Okay, so pretty much hottest guy to least hottest guy. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, it's pretty much what we're doing. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Least hottest guy to. <laughs> okay. Guy. No, I'm in, I'm into this now. Okay. <laughs> of course you are, Scott. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm into it. All right. All right. Um, so. Bottom of my list, like least least hottest guy. I'm literally so I I just so I could remember them all, I typed them in, and I'm looking at their pictures now. <laughs> Oh, this is the way to do this. What's that? There's some good-looking guys on that list. There are. Bottom of the list, Tom Berenger. For me. Bottom of the list? I, I, I think so. I disagree. I think Tom Berenger's a good-looking cat. I know, but think of his competition right now. Okay. All right. All right. You know, that's good. Oh, uh, maybe that's Anthony not, not Hopkins. I I, I'm throwing up my hands. Anthony Hopkins, bottom of the list. Yes. Okay. Okay. Next, I'm putting Tom Berenger. Oh, God. Costner, Gibson, and Quaid are all sexy men. <laughs> like, all right, next is Costner, then Dennis Quaid, then Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's the oh. Yeah, dude, it's Mel Gibson, man. All right. Adam. Have you seen him lately? Talk about Silver Fox. Well, now I, I do want to. I'm picturing this as like the time the movie was made, right? Okay, that's fair then. Yeah. Right. So like Mel Gibson with the weapons here. If we're talking like the late the 80s and 90s, he was, yeah, he was good looking back then. Him and Dennis Quaid are. I mean, Dennis Quaid's still handsome, and he's, he's he is. Old. I saw him in dude, a commercial how, recently. I was like, "Are you kidding me? How old is this guy?" Dude, he has had some serious work done. You think serious? Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, he has to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ant, let's get your rankings. Can I go from, like, the best to the worst? Yeah, that's yeah. fine. All right, Costner's number one. Easy for me. Stud. Then I would probably go Dennis Quaid. Then I would go... What are the choices again? Uh, Mel Gibson, uh, Hopkins, and Berenger are left. I'd go Berenger, then Mel Gibson, then Hopkins. That'd be my, that'd round out my Okay. Point. And where's Hoffman in there? Mm. I didn't rate Hoffman. Hoffman, Hoffman would probably be in the middle of the pact. He'd probably be, he'd probably be behind Gibson, maybe. Okay. Behind Scott? Gibson? Yeah. He's not that good looking. He's more of like, he's more like witty than anything else. I'm putting him middle of the pack, too. Middle of the pack. Okay. All right. Here's my ranking on the matter. So I, I can tell you've thought long and hard about this. Yeah, you. you oh, I've been thinking about this. 
just for your facial expression, looking at your screen, I can tell you have a list and there might even be notes next to the names. <laughs> There's no notes, no physical notes. There's mental the notes are all up here, Scott. Say again, Ant? He's married to Al Pacino in a movie also called Easy. Too Funny. And if you haven't seen yeah. that movie, check it out. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's, and uh, Matthew McConaughey's in it also. Okay. You know, I, I, I have not seen it, but I do remember that coming out. Talk about, okay. talk about, talk about handsome fellas, Matthew McConaughey. Come on. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going from unrealistic to realistic. So least handsome. Well, not even necessarily handsome, but realism. I'm putting Hoffman right at the bottom of the pack. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and, I, and I think I don't need to clarify further. I think I ranted quite you know, enough about that. Um, surprisingly, I'm putting Hopkins above him. You want to know why? Because Anthony Hopkins plays the god, Odin. He's a god, and she's a goddess. So that's pretty, I mean, we're it's talking. It's deceiving, though, because he's got the full beard in that movie. So you can't really see his face, right? Like, I feel like that movie's deceiving. I think that plays to his advantage in this round. It might. It does. You're right. Good point. Good point. Uh, in the middle of the pack, I'm looking at Behringer. And then Quaid. Berger, you know, he's in, a, in his major league days. He was great, whatever. You know, he looks like a, a bowl of melted ice cream these days. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he was respectable. He was a baseball player in the film. I get it. Quaid, Dennis Quaid's awesome, right? Obviously, I mentioned he's had a lot of work done. Doesn't look terrific these days. But if anyone can manage... That amount of kids in yours, mine, and ours, it's going to be Dennis Quaid and Rene Russo. Now we're getting to the, the, the top two, right? I put Mel Gibson second. Lethal Weapon, great series. She stars in the third and fourth one, mainly in the third one. The fourth one, she kind of has a smaller role. Um, but they are a power couple. Mel Gibson, I'm going to give a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the Lethal Weapon series, you, get, you can just turn the podcast off right now. Mel Gibson is a, you know, he's a widowed husband. Uh, and Rene Russo steals, steals the heart, you know, right out of him. And he doesn't even expect it. So they're my number two. Kevin Costner is my absolute number one. If you haven't seen the movie Tin Cup, watch it. The sexual chemistry is terrific in that movie. Uh, and boy, talk about two attractive people, Kevin Costner and Rene Russo. So they're, they're, they're rounding out the top there on my list. Uh, for those of you who have made it to this minute of the podcast, congratulations. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the, the ranting of Rene Russo's hypothetical boyfriends and husbands in film. Um, Scott, Aunt, actually, Ant and Scott, why don't you tell us, well, the listeners, what uh, next week, we're kind of finishing up here in this episode of the rant Sean, Scott, and Ant. Why don't you give a little bit of teaser what we're going to be talking about next week? Yeah, so um, as many of you might know, next week we have something to look forward to in NFL Draft Week. Um, my co-hosts are aggressively nodding their heads as in excitement. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Um, we're really pumped about it. We're going to be doing pretty much a full episode. Uh, we're going to be recording Wednesday night, um, so the day before the first round starts. We're pretty much going to be doing a full episode on the draft. We'll, we'll be reviewing some mock drafts that uh, Ant's put together. 
Um, we might have a guest lined up who uh, also puts together a mock draft. We'll be kind of talking. Oh. Uh, a little teaser there. Now, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be scolded for that. But um, <laughs> so I have, we have a really exciting show. We'll obviously focus a little bit on um, the Bills, Giants, Jets, but it's going to be a holistic draft uh, show. Um, I'll let Ant talk a little bit about kind of the thought process that, that goes into his mock draft and uh, some of the insights he's going to be bringing. And Sean and I will certainly be providing commentary to, to Ant's picks. Yeah, I'm gonna. I've I've been working on my draft actually this week. It's done, but I'm sure I'm gonna change it by the mm-hmm. time for next week. By the time I I change it like every day because <laughs> and on a good year I get like six picks right in the first round. Hey, it's actually not bad. <laughs> yeah, but there's been years where I got like the first three right, and then one trade just throws a wrench into everything. Yeah, but right. I think mostly we're gonna be talking about like. Who do you want your team to take? I think we're going to focus on that. Obviously, I'm a Giants fan. Scott's a Jets fan. Sean's a Bills fan. So we're going to talk about who, what we need, who's available. Do you think we any possible trades that could happen? We're gonna we're gonna dive into everything you could think of when it comes to the draft. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. I don't know if you want to do the live draft online or you just want to read picks or we'll figure. Yeah. Out. We'll figure that. Yeah, out. we're gonna we're gonna work out the kinks and. Uh... We're going to finish the show by ranking the sexual partners of Dame Judy Dench. So stay tuned for that one. <laughs> and we got that's where, some, that's where things really going to get exciting. Uh, but Ant, no, thanks for, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for the draft. Thank God there's some element of sports happening. Yeah. That's, that's the main yeah. thing I'm excited about just to have some, some yeah. sports. For sure. We can, play, we can play some bets on it, make it a little bit more interesting. Oh yeah. I was talking about, I, I'm going to, We'll do some research and I'm going to, I'll bring some bets up that you guys could pick. We'll make our picks and maybe we'll keep track of it. And maybe we'll do like a $5 wager, whoever gets the most picks right or something wins or something. Something. I fun. dig it. Yeah. I'll, I'll so, look up some stuff for that. Cool. So we should bet tuned. like, we should, we shouldn't do money draft, but bet we should just like someone has to wax their chest or something. Yeah, we can oh, do that uh-huh. too. Or somebody has to wear like a dumb jersey on the podcast or something, like a bill. Yeah, we'll release the video of the podcast while someone's wearing like a dress. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, can, I, no, I'm down for the the the, wa- uh, the chest waxing. I've got to tell you, not much there to be waxed. Sean, Sean's keeping it clean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's waxed. No, I just don't think I've. I just don't think I've hit puberty yet. So I'm too um, hairy of a person. I don't want that. Yeah, We've officially hit the, 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 the low of, the, of today's episode. So on that note, thank you for listening into episode two of The Rant with Sean Scott and Ant. This is Sean signing off. Uh, meet, you know, Join us next week for some NFL draft, I would say, analysis and uh, betting and loads of fun. Oh, and Dame Judy Dench. So <laughs> thanks again for listening. Um, we appreciate it. And stay safe out there, America. Yep. Have a good night, everybody. Stay safe. Yes. Good night. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.